What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. going on podcast listeners welcome back to another episode of nutrition awareness podcast i am so grateful you are here thank you so much for tuning in again i'm also grateful for this beautiful fall day that we're having here in central florida and if you could see my face right now you would see the sarcasm i have written all over my expression when i say fall i mean it is like 78 degrees and sunny i walked outside earlier in leggings and boots because there was a slight crisp chill in the air this morning and by 11 a.m when i walked out of an office i was sweating my nuts off it is that hot outside this is not fall. And if you're from the Midwest like me, you know what fall feels like. Now, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining because this weather is awesome. I mean, it it feels amazing. Why would I complain about beautiful, sunny, and 70-something degree weather? It's just, you know, sometimes you kind of miss fall. But whenever I miss fall, I simply just go into a grocery store because I am bombarded with seasonal and limited edition fall treats and foods and products. It's seriously just like fall threw up all over the grocery stores this time of year and left trails of pumpkin spice and apple cider, everything behind. And I know that this can be really tempting and triggering for people who are trying to stay on track this holiday season, not gain that holiday weight, or perhaps even keep losing weight throughout the holiday season. Not to mention the sense of urgency that these stores and products pin on their label makes it so hard to say no to any little tempting treat that you see in stores. I mean, they all say limited edition only, seasonal, and you know that this stuff is going to go away in a few months, if even that long. So it makes it really tempting to stock up on all these pumpkin spice, maple, apple cider, yummy, delicious treats because you don't know when you're going to have them again. But this can really screw up any kind of weight goals you have. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not to make you feel like you can't enjoy these things because certainly you can. I mean, I'm a basic white girl. I love a pumpkin spice latte. I just have to make sure that I'm not eating these things all season long and drinking a pumpkin spice latte every single morning because that's going to trigger me to want to go on a restrictive diet on January 1st. And if you feel me, you feel me to the core with this one. That's why I talk about these things because I don't want you to put on extra holiday weight or fall off track from your weight loss or health goals and then feel like you need to start some crazy restrictive diet on January 1st. And this might come from a selfish lens, but I work one-on-one with people. And the last thing I want is somebody coming into my office feeling like a failure because they tried to restrict dairy and they tried to restrict sugar and gluten or all the things that they feel like they weren't supposed to eat and attempt to lose weight and feel bad about themselves and feel desperate to lose weight. Because a lot of times when people go on these restrictive diets, especially if they go on them all the time, they jump on and off from restricting calories to overeating to restricting macronutrients to overeating 
overeating. It's just this horrible cycle that actually can do a lot of damage to their metabolism. So we almost have to take a whole new approach to weight loss if someone's done this. So you can see where I'm coming from that it's a lot less work for me and it's a lot less work for you if you just don't go on any crazy restrictive diets and you approach weight loss from a healthy lens. But that being said, it's all easy and nice to think about these things when you're just listening to a podcast and you're feeling motivated and you're like, yeah, of course, like I can practice self-control around all these holiday festivities and treats and all the yummy things that are being thrown in my face constantly through social media advertising and simply walking through the supermarket. But what about when the actual moment rolls around and you're in the supermarket, you're pushing your cart down the aisle, minding your own business. Maybe you went in there with the best intention to buy only healthy foods that you put on your list. Like you have your little grocery list there. If you're like me, it's an order of how the supermarket goes. Like you start with your produce, you move into your meat section and you already know what recipes you're gonna make. Like you're gonna have a kick-ass week. It's gonna be healthy. And then out of the corner of your eye, you spy apple cider donuts which is a real thing I saw today, by the way. And then you keep going down the aisles and you see white chocolate peppermint bark. And you try to resist, but then all these different things start popping up that are normally not around. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want this. You see fresh baked pies with all these fun seasonal seasonal flavors. Even the cereal aisle and the oatmeal aisles, the cereal bars and protein bars, they all have these unique limited edition seasonal only things. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then finally you see the M&Ms, the bag of M&Ms. And it's some unique flavor that they don't offer all year round. And you start having this dialogue with yourself and you start to compromise with yourself. You say something like, well, you know what? Like, I don't normally just buy M&Ms. Like, this is not something I would normally do. I'll just get this one bag and I'll try a little bit just to try it because this flavor is unique. And then, you know, I'll just let my husband and kids pick on it and I'll bring it into work and then I'll forget about it. So you have this little conversation with yourself, right? So you convince yourself, okay, put the M&Ms in the bag. And then there might be a few other food items throughout the store that you see and you have the same conversation with yourself. You're like convincing yourself and selling yourself on the idea of buying all these sugary treats you normally wouldn't enjoy because you want them. And our brain's a funny thing. Our brain will literally convince us anything is true if we tell it to. I think the brain is the smartest and stupidest organ in, in our whole body. We can literally convince ourselves to do anything. So before you know it, your grocery store cart is full of a bunch of sugary treats you normally wouldn't stock up on. You go home and let's be real. What are the chances you actually stick to the promises you made to yourself when you were in the grocery store? Do you actually just stop at one serving of M&Ms? Do you actually give all of the rest of them away? If you do, awesome. But I'm really speaking to the woman who I can relate to, where you make all these compromises and promises to yourself about portion control and moderation. And then that self-talk continues to go on at home. You're constantly at a battle with yourself. So let's say with the M&Ms, you say, okay, I'm going to try these M&Ms after dinner. It's going to be my dessert. Well, the day goes on. You can't stop thinking about the M&Ms. So you're like, I'll just have half of the serving before dinner and then half of the serving after. And that way I'm just splitting up my servings, but it's still the same amount. So you go in, you open up the bag of M&Ms before dinner, you have a half serving and it tastes so good and you can't stop. You go back and you have a little bit more and you're like, well, I'll just have a little bit after dinner. And before you know it, you've had a whole serving and you're like, okay, you know what? I just won't have any after dinner. I'll finish my one serving right now and I won't have any more after dinner and this is that. Then you eat dinner and then you think about the M&Ms again and you go back and you have more. And before you know it, you might have had 
double or triple or maybe you finished the whole bag of family-sized M&Ms that you said that you were only going to have a little bit of and that you were going to share and then you feel bad and you feel guilty and you feel like you need to diet and you feel like you need to restrict and are you picking up what I'm putting down? It's a bad cycle. When we give in to these crazy sugar cravings, that can really lead us down a rabbit hole. So that's why I created this course. It's called the Crush Sugar Cravings course. And it's going to help you not only decrease how many cravings you're having for sugar, but it's also going to make it a lot easier for you to stop at a normal sized portion. And a normal sized portion, what does that mean? Okay, that's going to vary on the individual. But basically, it's a portion that doesn't make you feel guilty. It doesn't make you feel like you fell off track. It's a portion that's going to help you stay on track with your goals and not completely bust all of the hard work you've done. So if you're somebody that struggles at just stopping at one brownie or one serving of M&Ms, or you feel like you're constantly going back in the kitchen trying to eat things to avoid your sugar cravings, but you end up just eating three times as much as you normally did and still finished off whatever with whatever that sugary craving was in the first place, this course is really going to help you out. I'm going to put the link in the bio and the show notes if you want to get this course because I'm only leaving it out for the holiday season, especially because I know the holiday season is a tough time. I really want you to go through this go at your own pace course before all of the holiday madness gets even more intense, before Thanksgiving rolls around and you're bombarded with sugary leftovers, before the stores keep stocking up on more Christmas and Hanukkah and all these other seasonal treats that are going to tempt you. This course is going to teach you how to get control of your cravings. It's going to teach you the why behind your cravings, and then it's going to teach you how to overcome them. In fact, there are 10 different strategies in this course, and I decided for today's episode, I'm going to share with you the first two. So the first two strategies in the Crush Sugar Cravings course are going to play for you in just a minute, but I wanted you to see, okay, these are how I teach my one-on-one clients to overcome their sugar cravings. We first figure out, okay, what is it that's causing your craving? Why are you thinking about sugar nonstop? Why can't you stop at just one serving? Why are you always hungry? Is it because you aren't eating enough throughout the day? Is it because you're trying to restrict your calories too much? Or is it simply a habit? Are you not planning? Are you not getting enough sleep? Are you stress eating, emotional eating? There are so many different potential causes. So in this course, I pulled out the 10 most common causes I see, and I explained why they cause sugar cravings, and then we go in real deep with how to overcome them. I give you practical, real solutions that you could implement in just one day. Yeah, just one day to get rid of your sugar cravings. It's awesome. In fact, I got an email the other day from a girl who's already taken the course. She's in module two. There's three modules. And she told me, Kate, within just one day of listening to module one, I didn't have any cravings for sugar. I was able to say no to sugar and alcohol, which isn't even covered in the course, but she said that she had just used the same strategies to help her overcome her alcohol habit. So that's awesome. So I wanted to share with you guys the first two strategies from the course. This is submodule 1.1 and 1.2. And if you guys have any questions about the course, please feel free to shoot me an email at kate at info dietitian. I'm sorry, <laughs> kate at orlandodietitian.com. I'm going to post that info in the show notes along with the link to the course. You simply go to orlandodietitian.com and click our shop and you will see an option for courses and it's the Crush Sugar Cravings course. But I am going to leave you to the first two tips. So enjoy.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Module 1, where we're discussing riding the blood sugar wave. You guys know it's really important to me that I teach you the why behind anything that I recommend. This entire module is going to tell you why you're having uncontrollable blood sugar spikes and drops that lead to cravings and five strategies to overcome it. The objectives of this module is to consider first why blood sugar matters. This is a really important module. You do not want to skip over it. You're going to learn a lot of valuable information that will help you in the following submodules. In submodule 1.2, we're talking about protein. 1.3, healthy fats. 1.4, the importance of fiber. And 1.5, we're going to talk about how to build balanced snacks. So without any further ado, let's start with submodule 1.1, why do blood sugars matter? All right. Why do they matter? One of the biggest physiological culprits of uncontrollable sugar cravings are blood sugar spikes and subsequent drops. Blood sugar refers to the amount of glucose or sugar in your blood. Glucose comes from any and all carbohydrate sources such as grains, fruits, starches, even milk products. Some sources are more concentrated with carbohydrate than others, meaning a banana is going to have more carbohydrate than a yogurt even though they both have carbohydrates. So whenever you ingest these carbohydrates, they break down into glucose and are absorbed into the blood to be stored or used as energy. You need energy. Unless you're on a ketogenic diet, which is not being covered in this course, you'll be using glucose for energy all day long, so you need to replenish it all day long. The problem arises when we do one or more of three things. We either A, eat too many carbohydrates, B, eat mostly refined carbohydrates, or C, only eat carbohydrates and eat an imbalance of protein, fiber, and healthy fats. When we ingest a lot of low quality carbohydrate at one time, we're dumping a ton of glucose on our system quite rapidly, especially when there are no other macronutrients to slow down or buffer this absorption. This causes a quick spike in blood sugar. You ever notice how kids feel really, really hyper after they have candy or sweets? This is why. Not only are they smaller and manifest the energy spike much differently, but it's a lot more socially acceptable for them to act out all hyper and crazy than it is for us. We typically manifest these symptoms as fatigue and that hangry feeling. So here's a visual of the vicious cycle of sugar cravings. We'll start there where you see you eat a high carb meal, your blood sugar rises, there's a quick energy spike, then your blood sugar subsequently drops, your body is going to demand quick energy in the form of carbs, leading to sugar cravings, and the whole cycle continues. It's kind of like a roller coaster, right? You can think about it like that way too if you're a, a mental visual person. What goes up must come back down. And when it comes down, this is when people get that low energy, hangry feeling I was talking about earlier. If you've been hangry and you go and sit for a meal and they bring out the bed, bread basket and you feel like you can't stop eating bread because you're so hungry, because you have low blood sugars. 
So when your blood sugars come shooting down, your brain gets a signal that it needs quick energy in the form of glucose as soon as possible to bring those blood sugars back up, aka the bread basket. It's so hard not to grab a piece of bread from the bread basket because the brain is sending such strong and intense messages to your body to find and consume quick energy sources. Can you guess what foods provide quick energy? Yeah, refined carbohydrates and sugar, stuff that's easily digested and absorbed rapidly. This explains why many of you guys might crave foods such as soda or sweetened beverages. Candy, cake, cookies, ice cream, sweetened yogurt, sugary cereals, chips, pretzels, crackers, juice, white bread, and other refined grains. They provide your body with quick energy. And as a result, your blood sugar comes shooting back up and the cycle continues. Many people ride this wave all day long and find it quite difficult to break free from, especially if they're eating massive amounts of carbohydrates before bed, waking up with low blood sugars, causing them to eat more carbs for breakfast. See how it's hard to break from? It's overnight. This module is going to teach you how to break free from this cycle and manage your urge to eat sugar and massive quantities of refined carbohydrates. So that gets us into submodule 1.2. Your diet is lacking protein, but the solution would be to prioritize protein at meals and snacks. Protein is one of the three essential macronutrients our body requires to sustain life. It has many functions, such as building muscles, regulating metabolic functions, transporting materials in our body, and even energy. It also plays a crucial role in satiety and regulating our appetite. Protein gives you staying power because it takes a lot longer for our body to break it down and use it for solid functions. This helps prevent a spike and then crash of blood sugars, and you stay fuller longer. However, many men and women struggle with getting enough protein at breakfast, which is key for controlling blood sugars throughout the day. The weird thing is that Americans tend to eat enough protein daily to minimally sustain normal body functions and those crucial functions that protein plays a role in, but it often is coming from not so great sources or in the wrong ratios meaning they're overeating unhealthy carbohydrates and highly processed proteins that aren't coming from a good source. When I work with clients, it seems like snack time and breakfast seem to be where people have the most difficulty. So we're gonna focus on those two times of day specifically when it comes to protein. However, you should still include a good source of protein with lunch and dinner. Before we dive into how much and from which sources, let me illustrate to you how protein helps with not only curbing sugar cravings, but with weight loss. A 2015 research study at the University of Missouri recently discovered that overweight women who consumed a high protein breakfast, approximately 30 grams, were more likely than those who ate a moderate protein breakfast or no breakfast at all to prevent body fat gain, reduce overall daily intake, and stabilize glucose levels. I have linked that study below for anyone interested, but there are a lot of studies with similar findings. Protein's role in blood sugar stabilization is a pretty well accepted fact. I will note if you are someone who is intermittent fasting, which we have a separate course on, I'm not discussing that in this specific mini course, this is going to mean the first meal you eat or whatever meal you use to break your fast. So if you fast until 11 a.m., all of these recommendations are going to apply to that specific meal. 
Unlike carbohydrates, a moderate amount of protein is not converted to glucose. Remember that glucose that contributes to high blood sugars? Too much glucose in our blood will signal to the pancreas to release insulin. Insulin carries the glucose into cells for immediate usage or converts it into glycogen, which is just the stored form of glucose, so it's energy your body can use later. When there is suddenly no more glucose available in the bloodstream, that's when the crash sets in. However, eating protein at meals offsets this crash. When insulin remains more stable, as is the case when you eat protein at meals, glucose is removed from the bloodstream at a lot slower of a rate, preventing this crash. This creates a nice steady flow of energy. We can see that in the graphic. Compare the green line to the red line. The red line drops below 80 milligrams per deciliter, and this is when people are going to experience cravings. They're going to feel irritable, and they're going to have low energy. For a lot of people, this is around 3 p.m., or that kind of workplace slump that a lot of people experience. But note the green line. The protein buffers the absorption of this glucose from the carbohydrates eaten at the meal, which means the glucose is entering the bloodstream a lot slower. This means you can really curb sugar cravings without having to eliminate carbohydrates from your diet as long as you're eating a balanced meal with protein and, as you will review later, fats and fiber. So can I just say that again for the people in the back? You don't need to eliminate carbohydrates from your diet. You just need to be strategic about how you eat them. While it's easier to get enough protein by including animal sources, it's becoming increasingly easier for vegetarians, pescatarians, and vegans to increase their total protein intake as the food market has been catering to different dietary preferences. It's a wonderful thing. But here are the best animal sources of protein. Lean meats. That's going to include your chicken, lean beef, and turkey. Eggs, fish, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, cheese, natural protein bars, and natural whey or casein protein. If you see whey or casein on the food label, that comes from animal. If you are looking for plant-based only sources of protein, here are my favorite ones. Edamame, which is amazing by the way because it's a great source of protein, fiber, and healthy fat. It is a soy product. Lentils, beans, nuts, seeds, natural nut butters, tofu, tempeh, seitan, which is often found in veggie meat substitutes. It's commonly referred to as wheat meat. Quinoa, plant-based protein bars, and shakes. These do not have whey or casein in the label. They're typically going to be something like brown rice or pea protein. And yes, I do see that I put edamame in there twice. I just love it that much. It's really important to get a good source of protein at all meals and even snacks, as we will talk about in submodule 1.5. All right, question of the hour. How much protein should I be eating? Man, if I had a dollar for every single time I got asked this question. But let's dive in. Everyone's favorite answer is, well, it's going to vary, but it depends on your age, size, and activity. Here are some general guidelines to help get you started. You're going to want to aim for 20 to 30 grams of protein at meals. So this is just assuming you're eating three meals per day. Remember the University of Missouri study? Those women were eating 30 grams of protein at a meal, at their first meal. At snacks, you're going to want to aim for at least 10 grams. If you're looking to look at your total intake throughout the day, because you don't eat maybe three square meals and two square snacks, you want a minimum of one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight, more if active. 
If you are from the States and you're not familiar with kilograms, simply divide your weight in pounds by 2.2 and that's your kilogram weight. Now these guidelines are based on your minimum needs. If you are dealing with sugar cravings and weight loss, I've seen a lot more success with the clients I work with who increase their protein to 1.5 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight. This is really important, especially if you're somebody who's doing a lot of training or you're trying to build lean muscle mass. There is no need to go over 2.2 grams per kilogram. A lot of people used to say, okay, the too much protein is bad for your kidneys. Well, if you have healthy kidneys, if you don't have any issues with kidney disease, that's not so much the case. The real reason you don't want to overdo it with protein is because metabolically there's no benefit and protein can be a bit expensive. Also, if you're eating so much protein, that's going to leave little room for other nutrition that's going to come from healthy fats and good sources of fiber. So please don't go over 2.2 grams of kilo per kilogram of protein. It's not going to do any good. It's not going to make a difference. Now, I want to say if you are watching this and your body mass index is over 30, I'm not a huge firm believer in BMI's accuracy, but this is a good rule of thumb. If you are considered obese, you want to estimate your goal for protein based on your ideal or goal weight. So for instance, uh, here are two quick examples to help you. If your current weight is 132 pounds, 60 kilograms, you're gonna do best between 90 and 120 grams of protein per day. If you are over a BMI of 30 and your goal weight is to weigh about 160 pounds, which is 72.7 grams per, or grams per kilogram, I'm sorry, 72.7 kilograms, then you are going to want to aim for 109 and 145 grams of protein per day. Ideally, you are going to want to distribute this intake throughout your entire day, throughout your meals, okay? If you are confused about all of this stuff, if you're not sure how to set realistic goals for yourself, if you are just thinking, oh my gosh, math is not my thing, shoot me an email at kate at orlandodietitian.com for specific recommendations as you need them. If you do email me, Please include your weight, your height, your age, and your, your goals in that email. All right, are you feeling overwhelmed? You may be feeling like, holy crap, how am I supposed to eat all of this protein? I promise it's easy once you get into a groove. My first recommendation for you is to replace or reduce some of the refined carbs you're already eating and add in a balanced protein-dense snack instead. Or you can replace some of that protein or replace some of those refined carbohydrates with protein at meals. This is gonna require you to reduce the serving size of carbohydrates already on your plate. Start to think of your starches and your grains as side dishes rather than the main attractions. This leaves more room for non-starchy vegetables and greens, lean proteins and healthy fats. Now, unless you are a high performing athlete, you don't need tons of carbohydrates at a meal. Let's just be real here. You really don't need over 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per meal for most people, especially if you're sedentary. If you're having sugar cravings, you'll likely find a lot of relief by reducing your serving size of carbs. Now, can I say it again? Did I say zero grams of carbs? No. You should still include carbohydrates at your meal, which we'll get into more on the fiber module. But hey, you can be really strategic with these carbohydrates as well. Cook with carbohydrates that also contain protein. Beans, edamame, quinoa, lentils, tempeh, and tofu are all plant sources of protein that also have carbohydrates. All right, 
let's start with practicing ways to add protein to breakfast. Because remember I said this tends to be the most difficult time of day for people. Here are some easy ways to add protein to breakfast, all right? I'm going to have you guys just pause this video or take a screenshot with your phone real quick so you can always keep these options handy. I did put the estimated amount of protein per serving. Know that these are going to vary depending on your brand of choice. So for instance, with the plain Greek yogurt, I just put my favorite brand, Faye 2%, has 20 grams of protein per one cup. Especially note the protein powders, they're all going to be different. Most of them I see have about 17 to 25 grams. I did put a link for free shipping to my favorite natural isolates and vegan proteins. You can go ahead and use that. Make sure you get the natural kind. Um, you will see that the carbohydrates are a bit higher in vegan proteins. And make sure that you're looking at the serving sizes of any kind of protein you choose because they might be one or two scoops and you'll notice that the carbohydrates can get really high. It's not necessarily a bad thing. You're just going to want to be mindful of that. So go ahead, pause this video, and take a screenshot. All right. Here are some other ways to add sources of protein to your meals. Again, I recommend pausing the slide to take a picture or write down the notes, knowing that the approximate grams will vary. My final tips. Try to find some new recipes and pick a few options that you can swap out so you don't get bored. So maybe with breakfast, you do the math, you take some time to see how much protein that these breakfast options can provide for you. Keep these in a rotation and add in new ones whenever you start to feel like one recipe is getting a bit stale. Always stay mindful of the protein content. Here's a little example. Maybe Monday through Wednesday, you have a Greek yogurt with berries and some unsweetened full-fat milk latte. That's going to be about 26 to 28 grams of protein. Then maybe Thursday, you're running a bit late, so you just cook some oats and stir in a scoop of protein powder, top it with berries for flavor. That's going to be about 20 to 23 grams of protein. Maybe Friday, you eat an egg with turkey sausage, or an egg and turkey sausage bake that you prepped. That's 20 grams. Share that with your family. Eat that Saturday. And maybe Sunday, you go to Starbucks and get egg white bites with a full-fat milk latte. That's going to be about 22 grams of protein. Get in a groove and start to look at nutrition labels when you are buying products at the store, especially if there's something that's marketed towards being convenient. Check the protein content for things like instant muffin cups, yogurts. Start reading the food label. It's a good habit to get into. Make sure you're picking options that fit your taste preferences and plan for options that fit your lifestyle and routine. I'm just saying if you don't like it and if it's difficult to work in, you're not going to do it. What's the point? It's just going to rot in your fridge or pantry. All right, gang. I hope those strategies were super helpful for you. I know how hard it can be to overcome sugar cravings, and that's why I created this course. Now, those were just two of the strategies out of all 10 that I discuss in the course. So if you heard those and you're like, yeah, those could definitely be reasons why I have all of these cravings, start implementing them. Start adding more protein to your meals, being mindful of your blood sugar swings. But also keep in mind that just because there are 10 different causes of sugar cravings 
That doesn't mean that you have all 10. You might just have a few. Usually I see at least a few. And in the course, I break them down into three modules. First, dietary reasons. Second, mindset reasons. And third, lifestyle reasons. So you might have a trigger from every module. Or maybe yours are all diet related. Or maybe you have some diet and some lifestyle. Maybe yours are mostly mindset and lifestyle related. You, you know, it's very important to be self-aware. And that course walks you through all the different sub-modules, all the different reasons why you might be having sugar cravings and each reason is followed with subsequent strategies that you can implement right away to get you on track. This course is designed for people who want to lose weight, who want to achieve whatever health goal they have in mind, but they just can't because of their undeniable urge to eat refined carbohydrates and sugar in excess, or they're having these cravings like they need something sweet after a meal, or they have to have something to eat at 3 p.m. as a pick-me-up. This is who this course is designed for. No more dieting, no more restricting, just being an informed eater because as one of my favorite people, Shalene Johnson says, when you know better, you do better. I think somebody else said that too, somebody a little bit more influential than her, but she's the one I always hear say it. When we know better, we do better. So I want to teach you why you're having cravings and show you how to overcome that so you can actually do better so you can achieve your goals. Again, I'm going to link the course in the show notes. I can't wait for you to start the course and really change your life. This course is going to open up a whole new world of possibilities for you. Did I just sound like a Disney movie? I think I did. That was a bit cheesy, but you're picking up what I'm putting down. All right, I'm going to sign off, but I can't wait to see you guys in the course. Have an awesome rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.